This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Trainer Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my regular co-host Azul Gigi. What's up, Azul? Doing pretty good, Chip. Uh, super excited for this episode. We've got another guest on for this one. We do indeed. Those watching on YouTube have already seen his face sitting there <laughs> smiling at us. He is an official caster for Pokemon Livestream. Most recently, you've heard his voice for the Players' Cups, for the European International Championships. He's got multiple top eight regional finishes, a special event win as well, and most recently, a top eight in Liverpool with good old Malamar. He is the co-host of the OmniPoke YouTube channel, having over 20,000 subs on YouTube, over 6,000 followers over there on twitch a pokemon tcg cubing expert joe bernard joining us from across the pond what's going on joe how you doing man happy to have you here that's amazing that's the the longest intro i've ever had and uh, <laughs> the most important one was the one at the end as well so yeah thanks the for having me on I, I listen every week so i'm really uh, happy to be a part of this ah a fan uh, happy to have <laughs> you here man we really appreciate the support and i'm looking forward to this week's episode and you may have guessed but this week we are going to be talking about cubing in the pokemon tcg it's one of all three of our favorite ways to play pokemon you have maybe heard people talking about cubing in pokemon before and wondered what exactly is that all about what's going on there or maybe you are a cubing expert someone who's done multiple different types of cubes you have a cube of yourself regardless of where you stand i think there will be something for everyone to enjoy in this week's episode is we're going to be talking about all kinds of fun stuff related to cubing from what exactly it is, how it works, how to get started, how to build a cube into our favorite types of cubes. Uh, so I think every there will be something here for everyone to enjoy. I'm looking forward to it. But before we get into all that, let's just get a quick little recap on how everyone's uh, weeks have been. Azul, you're just coming back from vacation, man. How was Hawaii? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was my first time uh, in Hawaii. Didn't go either of the years that I was there for Worlds, because I didn't get my invite. That's back when I first started playing. So first time in Hawaii. Um, and yeah, it was just a lot, really cool. Got to swim with some fish, swim with some manta rays. Um, it was a fun time. Sun, beaches. So yeah, very uh, very good to be back, though. I'm excited to get back to the, the content grind, of course, starting with the, the podcast uh, the podcast this week. So yeah, I'm excited for it. and excited to talk about some, some cubing. Yeah, you're looking a little tan. I can tell you've been in the sun a little bit. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. quite as dark as I would have thought you to come back, but no. a, a little darker. Uh, pretty good week for me as well. I actually had a pretty busy weekend here. I uh, spent time getting the nursery ready for the incoming baby. I uh, took uh, p did some painting on the wall. I did, we did a board and batten style accent wall which is a pretty involved process. I had to hang some boards up on the wall. It was a little bit more in-depth of a project than I realized, um, but that's all right. We got it done. Uh, it, paint is currently still drying, and uh, 
I got to peel the tape off the wall, but it'll all be done. I'll post a picture over on Twitter once it's all said and done because I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. I think it, we did pretty good there. Uh, what about you, Joe? How's your past week been, man? Well, you can probably tell from my tan as well that I've been jet setting for a week. <laughs> uh, I actually try to avoid the sun at all costs, but I've been uh, in Dubrovnik in Croatia for a week with my family and uh, it's been a great time. Yeah, it's my That's second awesome. time being there, but it was uh, great to be back. Sweet, man. Okay, and before we hop into things, let's give Joe a little bit of a chance to kind of uh, talk about himself. I know I did a little intro for him, but talk to us a little bit about YouTube, Joe, kind of what you do on YouTube. I know you've been making videos for forever. You've been involved with Pokemon for a long time. Uh, so why don't you just talk to us, just a, a quick little rundown of your history with the game, collecting. I know you're a big collector as well. So yeah, just give us a little rundown. Yeah, well, I sort of got back into the game when I was uh, about 14. And this was right around the time when Stormfront was being released. So that's kind of the era we're talking about. Just um, started opening some packs. I actually opened an um, Uxie Level X, and I was astonished by what a Level X was. I had no idea what was going on with a card. And because it was Uxie, I naturally like found my way towards competitive uh, TCG like content and articles and stuff like that. And uh, that's the first time I learned the rules. And uh, I was pretty bad at the game for a long time. I was just uh, playing with myself and just a few friends and not really um, going to tournaments for a few years. Uh, started as soon as I could drive, basically, was when I started uh, attending events. And the YouTube channel came shortly after that, really. Um, so this was right around the time I started university. I've uh, been doing content on the channel for a number of years now, uh, mostly competitive content, but also like to sprinkle in alternate format stuff, Cube being uh, among them primarily because it is uh, actually my favorite way to play Pokemon and enjoy the game. Yeah, and it's one of mine and Azul's favorites as well. So we were excited to do this episode. And when it, we, we knew that when we did an episode about cubing, we wanted to have a guest on. And uh, we thought you were the perfect person to do it because we know you've done tons of different cubes. You've got a couple cubes yourself. So let's break down kind of what we'll be talking about this week. Of course, just a general intro to cubing, what exactly it is, how it works, and then the different types of cubes that exist because the beauty of cubing in the Pokemon TCG is that there's tons of different ways you can do it. And there's, you know, we're, I'm sure there are plenty that you're a fan of, Joe, that you don't like. I know that there's some that I like, some that I don't like. So we can talk about all those different types of things. Of course, we will have this week's Guess That Flavor text where our guest, Joe Bernard, will be trying to uh, jump ahead of both Azul and myself as Azul and I don't have very many points and Joe has a chance to take the lead. I, I got to say, I'm, I'm confident in you this week, Joe. We'll see if you can do it. <laughs> and uh, we'll close things out talking about just kind of some of our favorite types of cubes. We're not going to really spend any time this week talking about standard or predicting the world's meta or anything like that. There will be plenty of time for Azul and I to do that in the next couple weeks. We want to really focus in on the alternate ways to play the Pokemon TCG. So we'll start things off by talking about what exactly is cubing. What is a Pokemon cube? Uh, but I guess before we do that, drafting. How does drafting work? Because at its core, cubing is a way to draft the Pokemon TCG. So Azul, I know you've played other types of games with drafts and stuff like that, DC deck building and stuff like that. What, what, what exactly is drafting and what makes it such a fun way to play a card game? So drafting is basically there's a pool of cards and there is a way, depending on the game that you play, to get those cards and then kind of build your deck around those cards. So in Pokemon specifically, you basically kind of make packs out of your cards. 
Um, the one that people are probably most familiar with is drafting in Magic. Um, when you go to like you know a, a card store and you play sealed, I believe is what it's called, where you get like four packs. Um, or it's not sealed. I forget the name of it. Sealed is when you get four packs and you build your deck out of the packs. But when you you know you uh, you get four packs and you pick a card and you pass the pack to the right, that's like the most traditional way that people draft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, that's probably the one people know the best is just drafting in Magic. And I actually really like drafting in Magic. Um, but then you have other stuff too, like you said. You mentioned DC deck building where there's a big stack of cards in the middle of the table and you lay a couple out off the top and you basically try to buy cards from the center of the table to create your deck like that way and then there's even other ways that drafting has entered other games in uh you know in the world or whatever like tft the league of legends thing is basically drafting um or battlegrounds from hearthstone is also basically drafting um it's kind of all different ways that you kind of create a board state, uh, more so like with TFT or, you know, with DC deck building uh, or Pokemon or Magic, you create your deck, right? Um, so different you, different ways that you get cards to create, you know, your board state or your deck, and then you utilize those cards in a way to try and win the game. And of course, in Pokemon, your win conditions are to draw six prize cards generally. So you create your Pokemon deck through, you know, drafting your cards. And in Pokemon specifically, like I said, generally with cubing with drafting is you take the cube whatever it is it's a bunch of cards and you break it down into packs and then each player you know if it's a six-man cube an eight-man cube whatever each player gets a certain amount of packs usually with you know 10 to 20 cards in it um and then you pick a card out of you, you all start with a pack you all take your first pack take a card out of the the pack and then you pass your pack to the left or the right and then let's say you go to the right pass you take you take one of your 15 cards out of your pack your first pack pass your pack to the right and then you get the pack from the person on your left you take their pack now that has 14 cards you take one card out of that add that to your stack you pass that pack to your right and you proceed like that until the pack is gone and everyone has all the cards 15 cards from all, a couple cards from each pack and then you open the next pack and then you take a card out of that pass to the left and proceed until you're out of packs and then you take the cards that you have from there remaining uh or those those what is it if it's four packs you'd have those 60 cards and then you build you know a 40 card deck or a 50 card deck or a 60 card deck depends on the cube specifically of course so um and then you build a deck with those cards that you did draft and there's a lot of different ways that people build their cube so that initial stack of cards that gets broken down into packs you know is always different depending on whose cube you play with um but i think i, think I did a pretty good job there breaking <laughs> down drafting i don't know if there's anything else you guys want to mention about it but yeah there's a lot of different ways to do it these days with in games yeah, Joe, anything to add there about just what drafting is? I think Azul did a pretty good job uh, explaining, like yeah. you said. <laughs> I'm usually really bad at those kind of things, so I tried my best. <laughs> that was pretty in-depth, yeah. Um, yeah, not too much else to add on specifically the drafting part of things. Just remember that uh, not everyone knows what everyone else has, so you're sort of working with imperfect information the entire time, and you're basically assessing... When you're taking a card, you're basically saying no to, like, seven other cards if you're going around a table of eight, so you're having to remember what you do and don't have access to, and you're also trying to assess what can potentially come back to you as well. Because even though a card can be later in a pack, it can still be useful for your specific deck or what you're trying to build, especially as you get later into packs when people start going down certain avenues. You can try and identify cards which are like helpful to everyone and then cards that are probably more helpful to you and less to others. So there's a lot going on during that process. It's not as simple as just pick the best card possible because um, sometimes there are things... Uh, where based on your previous picks, your own sort of usefulness of a card will change as the draft goes uh, goes on. So I know in yeah, like, like uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like something specific to when you have perfect knowledge of like a 
uh, a cube or something like that. And it's like that's like very different. Like like in, like I said, like drafting in like Magic, where you have four packs, like actual packs of cards. You know, mm. you don't have you have no clue what's going to be in right. those packs. You have an idea of what you can build your deck around. But yeah, like in in a Pokemon cube, or if you like I said, like something like Battlegrounds or TFT, where you have perfect perfect knowledge of the available units or cards or whatever. Yeah, you want to you want to draft with you can draft with that knowledge um, of like what what you could get in the future. So we talked about magic a couple of times, which I think is like probably the most I I think you'll hear just when talking about things in general, when it comes to the Pokemon TCG, people comparing to magic a lot because it is the biggest and most popular competitive card game. So it just kind of naturally becomes the, the comparison, like the cornerstone point to compare your own game against and the way things are done. So uh, one of the things about Magic is they have sealed uh, drafts or like draft bo- draftable boosters, like booster packs that you can, are literally made to be opened up. You don't know what's going to be inside and um, pass it along. Like Azul was describing, pass to the right, you take a card, whatever, so on and so forth. Um that's not something you can really do with Pokemon TCG packs, is it, Joe? No, that's definitely not how they're constructed. Uh, we just have way too many species of Pokemon in the first place. So it's even even after opening like a booster box, getting a full stage two line, like if you pulled the one hollow of a stage two, that's like a whole box just yourself uh, to get that. And that's just not going to be viable for like four packs around the table for each person. So uh, yeah, it's not how these packs are meant to be constructed it's more of a sort of collectible game i guess in that in uh instance so really that's why we go to cube it's because we can curate this card pool instead whereas packs are just a no-go really if you're trying to draft from them yeah if you just think pulled out like four booster packs yourself from a box yeah. and like had eight other people do the same thing and opened about passed around i doubt you could build i doubt any of the eight people would build a playable <laughs> pokemon deck you think we could ever actually get the pokemon tcg to that so like obviously sets right now are like what 170 cards on average or something like that maybe 150 mm-hmm. but if we got back to like sub 100 or around 100 cards um and then the cards were actually that's what it is in like in magic like all the cards are built with synergies right even all the bad cards like all the bad cards have synergies with other bad cards and that's why you can draft magic right because i, I all think the, the set is built for the cards are built for drafting but do you think we could get to that point where with pokemon like where we we scale back the number of cards in a set for sure and then also all the bad cards had synergies that worked with other bad cards and obviously they weren't competitive standard competitive but you, you could actually draft pokemon do you think we, we, they would ever try and like, get it to that point because like the collectible side of things wouldn't change right you still just print a charizard mm-hmm. but now it also works in draft right i think the main issue for pokemon when it comes to that is just the basic rules of the game or like how the game works with evolving right where like joe was mentioning if you open up a whole box you get one hollow stage two it's like okay cool i've got a uh four four one line <laughs> of this thing i want to play in my cube deck or whatever like you can't it's just not ever gonna really work out like that like if you open up um i mean and maybe it could work out if they like seeded it a little more heavily towards the stage twos but it would it would really have to change the way that the booster packs themselves were constructed as far as giving like having there be higher prints of some of these stage twos compared to the basics and stuff like that i feel like um or like the non-evolving basics i guess i should say i don't know what are your thoughts there joe yeah, basically everything we know about uh, rarity in a pack would have to change. We'd have to start printing like 
common golems and stuff like that that you just don't really see right now just to have a stage two that you can like easily access hey golems had legend... an uncommon before all right yeah yeah impossible right yeah. <laughs> right yeah. but uh, actually uh back in uh, legendary collection uh they had multiples of cards that you can open in in packs uh so like you would see a pack and you'd open it and it would have like two polywags and a poly world that's like the closest thing we've ever had uh, but we've not had anything like that since uh, in Booster Packs. Yeah, I was talking with someone about this recently. I couldn't remember exactly what set it was, but I remembered at some point along the way there was like a set that they had built to be more draftable. Mm. Was it? It was Legendary Collection, I guess, right? That's, yeah, yeah. So uh, what, what they would have it just seated so that if you opened up a pack that you could get part of an evolution line from just one single pack, right? Yeah, that's basically it. And you would have like very often duplicates of like a common card and like one or two of the uncommon uh, all in the all in the one pack as well so it would uh be realistic to actually uh get evolution lines at least it must not have worked out very well because they only did it for one (laughs) set i guess right (laughs) maybe we were too young for draft back then that's that's probably the thing the wrong uh, target market but maybe uh we're there now yeah i guess v pokemon would also be like a problem like oh yeah you just would you just have to say that you can't use v pokemon but then it's weird when you open one so give us the uh Give us the ditto symbol, but with a cube with a lot of cards, <laughs> so it's only allowed in cube format. I guess it would be cool like if they eventually just like printed a offset solely for the purpose of drafting. Like if they literally like you had the main sets and then they were just like, Oh, and here's this other set. None of the cards are like good enough to be good in standard, but it's too it's a draftable set. Like that would be something I mean, I would be down to, like, show up to my local league for, for like, you know, the draft, uh, when a new draft set drops or something like that, and then draft. I don't know. That could be cool, I guess. They would have, they would have to print, like, a specific set for it, though, I think. Well, I think uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! I've seen before. They have little box set type decks that you can buy, I think, um, and build decks based off of what i mean and we kind of have something similar to that with the that they've done more recently with the build and battle stadium kits where it's just two pre-release kits which i i guess we should mention that's kind of become pokemon's drafting but it's not really drafting because you're not building yeah it's sealed right so it's a little different it's it's just a limited format which cubing is a limited format in and of itself right where you're building based off of a set card pool um and then based off of the set cards that you open up from various packs or whatever it may be. But um, I think they've like dipped their toes, like experimented with the idea of releasing limited playable products. But the problem kind of becomes that pre-release. I mean, I have fun playing a pre-release like once, you know, per set. It's like, it's like a good little time, but it's, uh, you know, cost you 20 bucks and um, you know, it's just a one time experience where, and it's just like, there's not there's little reason for me to go back and buy another build in battle stadium you know whereas i think like if they released a if they released some sort of really fun draftable like even if it was like a two-player experience cubing pack something like that i could see myself buying it multiple times over right to play it again and again with friends and i think that would be it's kind of hard to iron out exactly what a product like that would look like is probably part of the issue there right and then also making sure that it would be sellable to the mass market because the player base is like a decimal percentage of the people who actually buy Pokemon cards, which is kind of the core problem here. Yeah, it's such a niche, niche with, yeah, it, it's a dreamer to get draftable packs really right now. Definitely. So we've kind of established what cubing looks like, what drafting looks like. Um, you know, the closest thing we have to it in Pokemon right now really is 
the pre-release kits, but I think cubing as a concept became more of a thing uh, in magic is kind of where it originated, which once again, you know, <laughs> kind of magic the being the cornerstone, what things get compared to, they kind of came up with this concept. So um, a Pokemon TCG cube, most often there is, you know, the cube owner, the cube master, whatever you want to say, the person who has curated this set of cards, usually like 360 to 480, depending on what size Pokemon deck you want to have your players build. Uh, and then you try to get eight players together and you organize out the set 360 card pool or 480 card pool into different packs, either three or four packs per player. And then you draft those packs, so on and so forth around the table. Uh, it's kind of the way that uh, that is what effectively cubing is in the Pokemon TCG. So we all obviously did not start playing Pokemon as cubing initially, we all started imagine playing whatever the standard format was at the time that we started playing Pokemon. Um, so how did you each transition from, you know, you know, playing standard and whatever competitive format was at the time to initially getting exposed to cubing and then, you know, starting to draft various different players cubes? We'll start with Joe for this. Uh, so it was actually the first uh, casting gig I did at uh, UK Nationals and Puka came around and Puka brought his cube and uh, literally from the first time I drafted, I, I drafted like a quite objectively bad deck now that I look at it because it was the first time I'd ever cubed. It was the first time myself, Freya, David Hockman, like all of us were first beginners and Puka just strolls in and uh, gives us this cube to try out and uh, I built a... Felix Prime uh, Magmortar deck at the time, which is objectively quite bad, but they were kind of not much like, synergy there. <laughs> <laughs> not much synergy, both really high energy attack costs, like objectively very, very bad deck. But it was so sweet to like play games. I think I won like one or two of my games. Uh, but then seeing uh, Puka's deck, it was like clockwork, just railing me completely and realizing that that's a possibility even though we were just picking these cards like here and there and i had coherent cards i had like good supporter cards stuff that stuck out that's useful in every deck you still kind of uh, get the grasp of that and that's not going to change like the laws of pokemon are still the same you still need to have a good amount of basics good amount of energy good amount of supporter cards to draw through your deck that's all there but seeing this uh, construction in front of me just decimating me and having such great internal synergy was like so eye-opening and just uh, the draft element itself, where you're trying to weigh up the value of cards here and there, was just so new to me because I'm not from a magic background at all. Pokemon's really the only TCG that I've uh, played extensively, especially at that time. Um, so it was just so unlike anything I've ever done. And actually realizing that the drafting part was as fun as the playing part was like a whole other element to me. So um, a really amazing time. And since then, like first thing I did when I got home from the the tournament was I was looking at articles from like, Alex Cook, Kenny Wisdom, a few other ones that are great out there at the time. And uh, yeah, I was just, I was hooked. I was trying to go through my old cards, see what I could sort of clobber together and see what could happen. Because uh, yeah, it was such a great experience the first time. What year was that? This was 2016. 2016. Okay. I thought for some reason I thought it, I thought it was going to be old in that because you said Steelix Prime. So I was like, how old is, how old are people? Like, so is, is, now I'm actually curious, like, is Puka's Cube the first cube in Pokemon? Is that I don't it, it's probably among the first but I'm not sure if it's like actually the first it, it's definitely one of the earlier ones he was an early adopter to it for sure yeah 
There were already articles out about it, though, so I think uh, there was a small contingent. I imagine it would have been people who were already involved in magic or at least knew about it that were trying yeah. to bring it over. And I'm sure some of those early cubes have changed in like ratios, and there must have been a trial and error period for a long time. Um, but I think uh, we're getting it down to an exact science these days. Yeah, from what I've read, I think before cubing and magic kind of popped up around that 2010, 11 mark. I don't remember exactly, so I don't want to say definitively because I don't remember exactly. But um, I would say like probably anyone who is building a cube around 2014, 15 is probably a very early adopter mm -hmm. there. And you mentioned a couple of articles Ones that I've read before whenever I initially got interested in cubing as well, Alex Cook and Kenny Wisdom. Alex's is over on Poke Beach, I believe, and then Kenny's, I think, is on Six Prizes. That's um, right. And those are great reference points, and I would recommend anyone who's interested in cubing. Uh, I mean, some of the information would probably be slightly outdated. Like, more people have kind of come up with different ways to do cubes, I think, since those were written back in 2016 timeframe. Um, but they are both still great reference points for like just what exactly cubing is. So I'd encourage anyone to, to read uh, into either of those. Azul, yourself, what, kind of how did you get, uh, when when do you remember cubing for the first time? Uh, I think it was, my, my the first time I cubed might have been Puka's cube. Um, there's a couple that I remember. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 it was either, yeah, I think it might have been <clears throat> Puka's cube. I don't remember what... Uh, what year it was it was a while ago now COVID always like throws me off like i always forget to add like two years <laughs> the last two years so are just yeah, kind so of like a like, blank space in like, your life <laughs> yeah i'm always about to be like it was like three years ago i was like okay so no it was like five years ago so it was like probably a five six years ago i don't even remember at this point but i think it might have been puka's cube was the first cube that i played it was puka's cube uh or michael slusky's cube uh the other one i remember playing very early on was also uh jason klasinski's base set cube i played that once um way back when as well. So it's one of those three cubes is my first cube, but I'm pretty sure it was Puka's cube was the first cube that I played as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just, it's just like, it's just like such a different way to play the game. And obviously I love playing the game, the Pokemon TCG. So um, just like more different ways to play it. It almost makes you kind of wish it was competitive, um, like in some form, but I don't think we'll ever get to that point. Obviously competitive as far as like actually part of like the circuit. Um, sure. I don't think we'll ever get to that point, but, I think there's a lot of things that are more enjoyable than expanded. So if they're gonna keep expanded around, who knows? Maybe <laughs> one day um, you get something like that involved. But no, it's just it's just like a, it's a different way to play the game. And then, like Joe said too, like you really the biggest thing for me too was like realizing how important drafting was, um, and like how 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 in depth it is too. Like that as long as you know the cube, right? As long as you know the 360, 400 cards, you know, or roughly. You know, so you can know what to expect or other cards to kind of look out for to synergize with the cards you have or just know that you need to look for some kind of powerful draw support or Pokemon search. And you're like, well, I know these exist in the cube. I got to try and hold out for some of those or look for some of those or um, be like, you know, take this early and maybe you'll find the if you find the evolution pieces later, it'll be good. Um, but if not, it's not the end of the world, but have that as an option. Like yeah, the drafting part is just like so, so different and it's just so unique to what what i knew at that point having just played you know standard and expanded um so yeah i mean that was that's always like the, the one of the that's like half the half the you know half the point of cubing is is drafting the other part is part is playing your deck and seeing what else other other people came up with and what cool combos they came up with especially with cubes uh like pukas or or yours chip where it's like there's so much going on there's so many like little things like one of things that you can like piece together to do these cool combos so 
Um, but yeah, yeah. Ever since then, I've always been like a big fan of it. And always looking to cube at uh, at the at the major tournaments that I go to when when I get a chance and can find a uh, a cube master <laughs> with a cube. <laughs> a cube. I wonder master. if that's is that going to become the term after this cube master? <laughs> I have, I definitely did not make that. I have heard people say that. Oh, I've before. never heard that before. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of like the your... the like you know, master of like a and d campaign or whatever, like the, yeah. you know, it's kind of, it's honestly kind of similar, right? Because that, that person has spent the time and curated the pool of cards, adjusted yeah. them accordingly to try to match the power level to make sure it's fair and fun and that there's cool interactions and stuff that uh, work out. But yeah, uh, I think my first experience cubing was actually at the World Championships in 2018. So I've been cubing far less time than uh, the two of you guys. But it was also our friend Michael Slutsky's cube, Azul. Uh, I remember doing it. And he has kind of a weird rule set, which we'll talk about when we talk about the different types of cubes. Um but yeah, I remember just having an absolute blast. After we were done, I immediately wanted to draft again and do it all <laughs> over again. The main issue with cubing and kind of where uh, every person who owns a cube, myself and Joe, I'm sure, uh, fought, uh, agreeing with this. Um, the main issue with owning a cube is finding eight people who want to do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a big commitment. It takes a few hours and you need people to either come together or all be together at an event. And you'll hear you, if, if you're, you know, maybe a little unfamiliar with cubing, but you're, you know, involved in the Pokemon community, you've surely seen people talking about cubing at regionals, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that. That's kind of like a classic Sunday evening activity, um, my kind of issue this past year, uh, you know, because this was the first I built my cube over kind of the COVID era and had uh, played it with some local friends a few times during last summer. But when it came to like bringing it to events, this year was the first time I brought a cube to events and I worked all of the regionals I was at. I casted every single regionals and internationals I went to. So I would bring my cube along and I was ready to cube Friday night. But my friends are all trying to figure out what deck they're playing for the tournament. <laughs> so nobody wanted to cube with me. And then it came to be Sunday. And we would always end up cubing Sunday. But it was always like, you know, I'd been working all weekend. It was just a long, uh, a long time. Uh, you know, we always still ended up doing it. But it's like, man, we could have been doing this every single night this week. But it didn't quite uh, work out to that uh, extent. But yeah, cubing, uh, ever since I did that with Michael the first time in... 2018 was always trying to draft again and again, and uh, I've done many different people's cubes um, over the last few years. There's tons of different ways that people have built cubes, and that's something I love about cubing is that everyone's cube is unique. Everyone, the person who's curated it has done something different from the other people who have built cubes before them. There's tons of different ways you can play it. Um, and something that's is also kind of interesting to me is it feels like cubing has become more popular in the last two years when there hasn't been events for people to go and cube at because of being able to cube online. And that's kind of become a really popular thing to do. And I know, Joe, you've participated in plenty of online cubes. So why don't you talk to us about what exactly playing a Pokemon TCG cube online looks like and how people go about doing that? Well, sure. So there's a fantastic website called cubecoga.net, which is probably the best place to look at all of these online cubes. But essentially, there's a Discord group similar to like when we were having the sort of grassroots sort of COVID events almost, where we arrange our own uh, games. They're actually played on uh, Play Limitless now as well. Uh, but essentially, 
due to like trying to get schedules to work together it's like one draft over the course of like six weeks where you have the draft itself on a certain uh, time and then as you get around by round you have like a week to arrange your match and play against the person uh, so it's been going for a couple of years now I think actually and it means we've been able to cycle through a number of players cubes all of these people adore cube itself and uh, there's a ton of people who have joined the discord learned a lot about cube and now they're some of the best drafters and players you can see out there and it's a great chance for people to look at all sorts of eras of the game uh, oftentimes you'll see uh, cubes based on certain blocks or time frames in the tcg as well that's a very common way to uh, enjoy cube and it's uh, basically just another way to get involved in a tournament setting and uh, for this discord specifically um, over i think it's every six months or so every like four or so cubes uh, will accumulate points for people who made like top eight, top four and whatnot. And then they have one champions cube, which is uh, a cube of like the groups choosing. And uh, we then all have one weekend where we draft and play all across that uh, weekend. So uh, the three champs cubes we've had, I've got second and two top fours. So I'm still chasing that win, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, I should but have added uh, those really to your accolades fight. at the beginning of the cast. <laughs> It's a really the time I got second, my cube was uh, my deck was absolutely busted. I absolutely high rolled like Claydol and double Garchomp. Like my deck was insane. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the other two times it was a bit harder work. But yeah, that's essentially the cube league. And if you uh, are someone who already uh, enjoys cube, or if you're someone that wants to learn cube, they have um, not only these like monthly things rolling. They have like a team cube and lots of other like side events. And they have pop up cubes like most weekends. There'll be someone running one. So if you're just casual and want to sort of dip your toe into it and not be intimidated by like having to build one yourself, you can just pop into that Discord and uh, just uh, try and uh, get one going. So obviously you can't cube like on PTCGO, right? So uh, sure, where, right. Where, where, where do people go to actually play the game? So the draft is done on like a Google Sheets document where uh, it's like the pictures of the cards of the person's cube and you just select one as you go, basically, uh, which is pretty easy for anyone. And then usually the games are played either on untap or um on tabletop sim so those are probably the two best and most common ways really it depends on uh who you're up against like in the rounds because essentially once the draft is done you can just talk to whoever you're up against that round and see what they want to do if they're if it's their favorite way even in some eras if you have all the cards you can do it on pcgo for example if it's sure. like a regular evolution there's nothing wrong with it so uh, it's however you guys can like negotiate it because it is still a casual uh format at the end of the day Definitely. I don't think I realized that you guys did the drafting itself on like a Google sheet. That's really cool. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a really easy way of doing it. And you can export it immediately from Cube Koga as well. So if you have friends that want to play online as well, you could just export anyone's cube from this website and just do that Google Sheets draft as well and just play within the week or whenever you guys want. So now no, go ahead. Zizzle. Yeah, no, I didn't know that that was there was that much extensive uh, online cubing going on. I'm not gonna lie, I hate online cubing. I hate <laughs> I hate tabletop sim. I hate untap. I can't like I I cannot like stay focused when doing either of those. So I've done it a couple times to try it out. Like when tabletop simulator first kind of blew up as being a thing in the Pokemon community, like at the beginning of COVID, I was like, oh, this is a new way to test the new sets and you can cube and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, I'll get tabletop. Sim. And then I tried it out. I was like. My attention span just can't. I can't handle that. <laughs> yeah, I need. I need something a little bit flashier. PTCGO just barely, you know, ticks that box mm. of like being <laughs> interactive enough. But of course, I love cubing IRL for sure. Yeah, I've done a couple of online cubes, uh, and it is fun. 
but it's definitely held up by like the people you're playing with slash like the cubing experience itself. Fighting with tabletop simulator is not the most fun thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> cubing at his core is meant to be enjoyed with a group of people IRL at a local league at a uh, regionals, whatever it may be. Um, it is definitely way more fun to do in person than online. It's kind of just like, you know, online was the only way to actually make it happen for the last couple of years for many people. But um, so let's go ahead and move on from this section and now talk about different types of cubes. And I've got Cube Koga pulled up here, a website that Joe mentioned. Definitely something to reference and look at if you're looking to build a cube. Everyone, uh, most people who build cubes have their cube list <laughs> on this website, and there's tons of different ones you can build. Joe himself has a few on this site. Uh, a Pokemon Trader his would be his name. You can see, oh, wow, I didn't realize you had this many, what, six cubes here on the <laughs> site to, <laughs> to build off of, to look at, so... Uh, plenty to look at there. Uh, Andrew Mahone, who we had on a couple weeks, who I'm sure many people are big fans of. He's got a couple cubes listed on here. Um, Puka, who we've mentioned a few times and who many people will recognize, kind of like a one of the godfathers of the Pokemon TCG, one of the best Pokemon players, now works at the Pokemon Company. He has several different cubes, or he has his Chaos Cube listed on here, which has become my favorite personal way to cube. It's actually very similar to the cube that I have built myself because it is one of my favorite ways to draft. I've done many different cubes. It's definitely become one of my favorites, though. Um, so, yeah, let's... Speaking of different types of cubes, yeah, we'll talk now about the different types. And I think one of the main ways that people try to make up for the fact that it is difficult to draft the Pokemon TCG is to just introduce mutant evolution. And that's actually, if we look at Cube Koga, the most popular cube on Cube Koga is a mutant cube. So why don't you tell us, Joe, what exactly mutant is and how it works? So mutant evolution is when you basically ignore how a traditional Pokemon evolves. So it's not just Bellsprout into Weeping Bell into Victory Bell. It can be like a Shaman into a Weeping Bell into a Venusaur. So it can be based on colors, essentially. And that's what makes it much more in line with Magic, where you just have to draft colors, essentially. And even you can have cross synergies within colors, of course, as well. But basically, all this does is it opens up, it really massively expands your card pool of like interesting stuff that you use. Because as soon as you hone into one like evolution line, you can only ever then pick like the basics of that guy in regular evolution. So if you think there are really cool Yanmegas, for example, you only can have Yanmas in your cube. But Mutant completely breaks that rule. And now you can have awesome like call for family attacks or random abilities or poker powers or this that and the other um of all different eras from pokemon so essentially you're just really extending your card pool way out to everything that's ever been printed in that color basically so you are changing the rules quite a bit and it does some it takes a long time to balance a mutant cube because there's so much versatility and variety that you may not expect things to have random synergies between them as well so it's a really delicate balance to actually get a mutant right, I think. And that's why uh, you see one of the top ones in Cube Koga. That's been going on for like five years. I think that cube's been <laughs> running and they've been adapting it this whole time. So right. it's a very difficult cube to like balance. But once you get that balance, there's amazing replayability with mutant evolution because there's just so much variety of what's going on. There's so many different interesting and cool abilities throughout the years of the tcg so it just um is a fantastic way to play the game 
some people are some like frustrated by this at times of course because it's also very difficult from a gameplay standpoint to play around like all of this random stuff so your opening turns in the game you you like see a random i don't know like a mew and you realize it could evolve into something that draws cards could be attacking you turn two for this that and the other so like the opening two or three rounds uh of mutant draft you have to play like a real pansy and just like if you're a player two or whatever, you just have to attach to the bench and hope they don't kill your guy in the active and do all this <laughs> other stuff. You basically really have to have some bounce back here and there because people can pop off with the amount of like combos and synergy they can have. So definitely a different feeling to a regular evolution, mm -hmm. uh, but there are definitely benefits to it as well. So yeah, and, just uh, to recap, like a, for a mutant cube, any basic of a type can evolve into any stage one of that type, which can in turn evolve into any stage two of that type. So you really mm -hmm. never know what's coming. Yeah. Right. Are, mu are mutant uh, cubes generally singleton or are they generally... They're much more you, can, often you can do what... Yeah. yeah, they're much more often singleton. That's what I was curious about. I mean, yeah. it doesn't really matter. You can just put all the cool cards of a type in the in the cube, right? But Kind of the idea, yeah. <laughs> I think just, that... Like, there's so much more history in the TCG when you allow every basic, every stage one, every stage two, right? So you're yeah. going to find naturally cool stuff. And I think that Mutant... That, that was kind of like one of the initial ways that it feels like people responded to the problem with drafting Pokemon where, like, ev evolving is an issue. So if you just make it so that anything can evolve into anything within its own typing... Um, it makes it much more, I think mutant is one of the most, uh, easy ways to draft as far as like, you know, at its, I'm sure the high level mutant cubes, right. You know, there's a lot more intricacies, but like just at its core, it makes it much easier to draft because there's less emphasis on like getting those specific evolution lines yeah. and more emphasis on just getting a specific color. Like you mentioned, Joe, um, and much I, it's funny that you mentioned, it's funny you mentioned, Joe, like uh, disliking that kind of aspect of Mutant Cube. And that's kind of always been my problem with it. I do enjoy it. And it is a lot of fun to build a mutant deck. It's a lot of fun to be like, yeah, I can do this crazy thing with my Mew that evolves into, you know, which is obviously a Pokemon that's going to be powerful on its own, never meant to evolve. Mm -hmm. But it will evolve right. into something, like you said, that can draw cards, which can now evolve into something that can attack, so on and so forth. Um that is like super fun to be the player doing it, but it is not as fun to sit across the table and watch your opponent's support Pokemon turn into something that can just nuke whatever you've been trying to set up out of nowhere. It's very difficult uh, in a mutant cube when it comes to actually playing to prepare for what your opponent may or may not do on their next turn. Have you ever done a mutant draft, Azul? Uh, I think... I don't think so, actually. I'm trying to think, like, if... Uh, I don't think Puka, any of the Puka's cubes that I've ever played have ever been mutant. That's the only one I can think about that I would have ever played that was mutant. Um, so I don't think I've ever played a mutant cube. I know... I, I think I've drafted, like, way back in the day, like, I've drafted, you know... At pre-releases, you would be able to do drafts of the of packs. Um, I think maybe back then... Uh, they allowed you to do mutant like the the to would be like you can do like they would either let you do mutant or not do mutant i think that's the only time i've maybe ever drafted and uh played mutant before but i can't think of any cubes where i've i've played a mutant cube before what are your kind of personal feelings on mutant cubing joe uh, so one of my best friends actually tamau has a stage one only mutant so you can only go up to stage one evolution okay. pokemon and it's a fantastic time again that's been balanced over a number of years now and it, it's great and i think 
specifically towards this queue because there's a lot of stage ones there's a lot of like one and two energy attachment attackers so you get that back and forth naturally that you don't necessarily get sometimes with like stage twos where the person who's just gone first has such an inherent advantage because they get a big stage two that has like way too much hit points to deal with a, like in one hit ko and they've got one attachment ahead of you like the advantage is just too high sometimes with stage twos if they're like the line toppers are just usually the best and most interesting cards in mutant evolution so sometimes you just get railed for like two or three knockouts just by this one stage two that got evolved quicker than you could right uh but in stage in a stage one issue that's like much less of a problem and i also think another way you could try and uh, combat it is um by having more stringent turn one rules right going back to other eras of the tcg when you can you know not play item cards for example or not play this that, and the other to try and make player one have a way less explosive like opportunity to just pop off on you uh, so hopefully you can make comebacks or just have lots of setup attacking Pokemon in the opening stages. So player two can use a call for family attack like almost every time. So then you're at least getting into the game or something like that. So there's a lot you can do to try and balance it. And I think a lot of people are putting time into mutant cubes because it is worth it, I think. Um, but I, I do really enjoy the experience and uh, it's uh, yeah a very different feeling. I, I feel like a lot of times people can be pigeonholed when you're in regular evolution and you kind of see the coolest or best stage two of a certain color and you're like, well, I guess I'm the Blaziken guy this draft and you just sort of <laughs> you just go for that stuff and you just see red pick red basically and it's a lot more fluid when you're playing mutant when sure. you can have like three or four different colors just because stuff is good basically. You, you've talked a couple times about uh, balancing, and I think that's something mm. that any person who owns a cube, they're always kind of making changes and adjusting things. You want to just talk about a little bit like what exactly balancing means and what that may look like for someone who's building a cube? Sure. Um, so obviously Pokemon have different attacks and hit points and all this other stuff, and uh, everything is relevant. So everything down to hit points or retreat cost attack cost this these are all things you need to um think about when you're trying to balance types against one another because there's no point in just building a lightning line a water line a fire line if the grass line is going to win every time because it just has 20 more hit points than everything else or does 20 more damage than everything else naturally or even just having free retreat can uh completely have a cube out of whack i remember having a Garchomp line in my cube at one stage. It's since come back in as I've slowly raised the power level of other lines. Um, but the first time I drafted it, um, it, we played over a weekend with my group of friends and uh, both times it won and went EXO. Like both the two different people who drafted it, even in the second day, I think two different people pieced apart the Garchomp line and they both came like first and second. So it was just like clearly evident that those cards were more powerful than the other ones. They just had more flexibility and retreat cost or were able to do sniping as well as direct damage to the face. They were just like, just stronger cards basically. And monitoring those are going to be important. And I think also equally as important, not just keeping an eye on the things that often are doing well, the cards that often are drafted late or often cards that are uh, drafted, but not eventually making it into people's 60 card decks, because you have to think of it almost, even though you've got like 480 cards or whatever, you have to think of it like, building a deck of Pokemon cards because you want everything to be as interesting as possible, really. You don't want people to have easy decisions. You want to make it as difficult as possible for everyone <laughs> the entire time to make it challenging, uh, but also give people options to do stuff. There's no point in having dead weight in your draft. So you want things to be close on power level, but not completely, you know, if anything goes over the edge, you have to be able to scale things back when need be. And uh, you can only really do that outside of um, like, 
just looking at the cards themselves and sort of balancing. You can see the right numbers of hit points, the right damage stuff you can do and whatnot. Uh, it's really just testing out the cube. And don't feel ashamed if, you know, your first couple tries, someone just obliterates everyone with like a certain line or whatever. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You have to be uh, willing to experiment here and there. And it's basically a constant changing thing, a cube. You may have played someone's cube a year ago and it may have completely different lines or it may have even synergy cards like... Uh, I remember having um, Blacksmith in my queue for a long time, and simply because I had like Blacksmith, Sinlin, Lusamine, VS Seeker, Palpad, the fire guy could get like 10 more energies into play than anyone else. So it was just like way too good. So it's not even the Pokemon themselves always that's the problem. Sometimes it's like synergistic cards that you also have to be monitoring as well. So look for the look for the uh, the happy medium, right? Nothing too bad, but nothing also nothing too good, but mm -hmm. still a little bit of. Uh little bit of uh you know some stuff being better than others um, and there's yeah. always going to be kind of like a cube right. meta right like yeah. there, there's always going to be this t archetype within a cube is going to be one of the stronger archetypes but it's just about making it you know it'll still be strong but balancing it out to where like okay even like the fourth or fifth best cube archetype mm. can stand up to it right yeah for sure and sometimes even if uh if you get a group that are drafting a cube a lot of times that meta will actually change the strength of that line anyway because if everyone knows that like water's really strong you'll have more competition for that line so people like pick apart at it sometimes so if it's like a less complete line it can go down to the level of other things as well so that's like if you're cubing with the same people and over and over again little micro metas happen naturally as well within your cube i would definitely. say definitely Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that's a huge part of it is like if you cube with the same eight people, you know, five times like you people have their favorites, right? It's like I remember using this card. It was a lot of fun. I'm going to try to draft it every single time. Or, uh, you know, you have a tendency to recognize when someone is likely to pass a certain type of card. And if you're sitting next to this person, it's like, OK, I'm more likely to get, you know, this maybe is more likely to come back to me if they saw it again or something like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So all those little metas develop within themselves. I personally think like the most fun like it's a lot of fun to draft with the same group over and over again because that kind of becomes competitive and i enjoy that that level of competition but i think like one of the most fun drafts is usually like a couple of people who know that specific cube really well a couple of people who know cubing in general pretty well and like are good cubers and then a couple of people who it's like their first or second maybe third time cubing as well because it just makes for the most variety uh the most interesting interactions and it uh, something i have come to enjoy as like owning a cube now as opposed to just being the person playing a cube is watching people play my cube for the first time and like hopefully watch them enjoy themselves and have a good time and want to just like i did when i first drafted michael's cube at worlds in 2018 hopefully want to jump right back in and draft again as soon as it's all over and uh, ready to, to run it back once more. Sure. And sometimes getting fresh pairs of eyes of it can unlock parts of the cube you didn't know were possible. I remember one of my friends who had only been playing for like a year and a half never played cube before and only ever played Volcanian EX. So I, I thought they were going to be like kind of mediocre at what they were doing, but they actually <laughs> like, they kind of like obliterated my cube and were, was able to do a uh, once per turn trump card loop with like this deck and was doing like every turn they were devolving stuff. They were like hitting for 80 in confusion, which didn't sound that insane, but then you have to remember they could cycle max potion every turn and do this, that and the others. Mm. <laughs> so they like drafted something. I completely ne was never even on my radar. Exposed an issue possible. in the card pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So I had to make uh, tweaks after that and uh, I was flabbergasted and just like so ecstatic to see that happening. 
even though the cube was like kind of broken in a way um it was uh it was amazing to see that deck come together from uh a source that i was really not expecting <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite things in cubing is like because like you know doing a bunch of other people's cubes and stuff you'll kind of bring your perspective from other cubes that you've done and that can affect the way that you draft someone else's cube which is gonna have a totally different card pool than the thing you normally mm -hmm. draft uh one of the most fun things is after the cube is over and if you've like gone undefeated or you know won the majority of your games for the person who made the cube to kind of come over and be like Hmm. Okay. Maybe this needs to change because this is a little too good the way you've you've built it together. So breaking someone's cube is definitely a great uh, compliment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about mutant a little bit. Traditional evolutions is definitely still a, a pretty common way for people to build cubes, and it's not as simple as I think putting like a four 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 line of a stage two into a drafting um, pool. Usually we see a little bit more of like a pyramid. Uh, evolution line, which I think would be kind of the normal way to play it of like um, a, a common Pokemon would be Gardevoir, for example, because there's been a lot of great Gardevoir cards over the years. So people will maybe have seven Ralts in their cube and then five Curlias and then th uh, three or four really good Gardevoirs or Gallades potentially mixed in there. So you could theoretically see a couple of people playing Gardevoir uh, in their cube, but you could also have someone who just built a really strong Gardevoir focused deck. Yeah, I, I really like those counts because it allows the players around the table to speculate on things and not get like super punished for trying to keep their lines open because that's one of my biggest pet peeves is just like lines are too thin or whatever and people are completely forced down an avenue as soon as they get like the first stage two of something, they have to commit to it because they just don't have enough picks yet to do anything else. So giving people the chance to get these like crappy cards at the end where it's just like, little basics that do whatever it can sometimes keep the back door open for you to pivot later down the line based on what you can see uh so those lines really are uh tried and trusted i think for regular evolution and if you do want to have just like a 444 block that's okay but it essentially means that every basic is as valuable as the stage two which is just such a strange uh intuition i think that people won't naturally have um, and it also means that you basically just have to ignore trainers and supporters unless they're very, very high quality, just to even get a functioning line. So I, I really like having like too many basics in stage ones if you want to think about it that way, because if people want to speculate, you're not going to completely lose out or whatever. And you can have people competing and still create functioning decks, even if it is like a 2-2-2 line or something like that. Right. Uh, and then within that, you could also... You know, since, like I mentioned, Gardevoir, just as an example, there's been so many Gardevoirs that are great over the years. Each one of the four or five Gardevoirs you have in your cube can be different. Uh, mm -hmm. You can also, of course, have, like, them be all the same. Like, if you're building in a specific era, maybe you'll have, like, two of this one and three of this other one that's been really good. Something like yeah. that. So uh, there, there's definitely a difference there between, like, having multiple of the same card and then a, more of a singleton draft where within the traditional line, each one of those seven routes will be different or each one of those five Curlia will be different, right? Yeah, it should be, I think it's definitely a bigger impact for the line toppers rather than, like, the little basics. Sure. Um, but, yeah, uh, it depends what you want to do, really. And, again, balancing comes into its own here. If you feel like there aren't four or five... Uh, of like that species that you want to have that are in balance sometimes just have having two of one that you think is like in the middle or whatever is probably the best way to go i feel like 
when cubing first started, I saw Singleton being like the way to go. And I think more often than not, I see an easy balance is having second copies of this, that, or the other. Or if you want to give archetypes certain identities, you put that second copy of a card in that you want just to really like hammer home that's what they're going for. Like the cube builders trying to push people down certain avenues sometimes with uh, with their line toppers, and it can be shown by what's available. Sure. Yeah. And then that is, uh, and Singleton, I feel like is, that's like the next thing to talk about is like Singleton. It's more of like a, like mutant and traditional evolution is like what you, is more what your cube is built around. And then Singleton is kind of like a choice of like a rule. And there's two different ways to do Singleton, right? You can either do, um, you can play one of seven different, like if, you're, if your cube is Singleton, let's take the Gardevoir line, for example, you could have one of seven different Waltz, one of four different Curliers, and then one of three different Gardevoirs, or you could, or your cube could be based around like true singleton, right? Where it's only one Ralts, only one Curlia, only one Gardevoir. And that's what your cube is like, Chip. Like yours and Pukas are both true singleton, where the card is called Ralts. You can't, there's not more than one in the cube. Um, but what do you guys think about well, singleton versus non singleton? Because like most of the cubes I've played, I guess besides Slutskies, have been singleton cubes, I think. So I haven't played a mm -hmm. ton of non singleton cubes i don't think i've mostly played singleton cubes um but how would you compare singleton to like true singleton where it's like one of each card versus you know you know a seven four three line of guard versus cubes that have a one 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 line of guard like what what do, what do you prefer and what do you think like are you think they're both just it's just different or what do you think joe uh well puka's cube definitely gives me heart palpitations the entire <laughs> entire time and a brain aneurysm because it, it then becomes a memory game basically a lot like that's a big part of uh, a pure singleton of everything uh, because you literally are throwing away your picks if you're taking a card that you eventually can't build around because a piece has already gone previously on whatever. And obviously that can still happen where people priority pick certain cards and things don't come together. So you have to be ready for some heartbreak, I think. And uh, that's just another element really that comes from the draft. And I think that's probably the most exhilarating drafting experience you can have certainly. Uh, but the deck's power levels are naturally not like super high. They're normally like relatively consistent, but um, things can go wrong very quickly for you when you have one, one, one lines. Because if someone just like quickly knocks out your basic of your stage two, then it's like got to wait until I draw the one super rod that I drafted until I can actually try and get my strategy online. So it, it has a very different feeling to like traditional games of Pokemon, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I also like going to like. <clears throat> The traditional evos and mutants i enjoy singleton and those type of cubes because there's so many different cards over the years uh that you just get to feature the best it's kind of like a best of or like a highlights of and it, it depends once again on the person who's curated the cube whoever has kind of assembled things like which ones they enjoy the most like you can always kind of tell whenever you're playing someone's cube what era of the game they enjoy the most because they've either built the cube specifically around that era or if they're using an unlimited card pool they have most of the cards are from like a specific era right um so like, yeah, traditional Evos, like even if it's something like a Butterfree, right? Or if you've got five different Butterfrees to potentially choose from, it's there's different ones or some some of those Butterfrees will be more powerful than the other ones. Some of them will maybe just not even be that good, but you would still play them because you drafted into it. You got it as a late pick, whatever. Um, and it like can synergize with your deck. Now, when it comes to the Chaos Cube, what you've mentioned, uh, which is Puka's Cube concept, kind of something that he... Uh, originally came up with because 
Singleton has been a popular way to play cubes for a long time, but at Puka, to my knowledge, I think is the first person who said, okay, what if there was truly only one of each of the Pokemon? So as opposed to there being seven different Ralts, seven different Curly or five different Curlia, four different Gardevoir, it's just a one, one, one. And that's, as you can see here on Cube Koga, it is one of the more popular cubes. And it's one that uh, my cube is very similar to this that I've built. And it is a lot of fun, and it definitely puts the highest emphasis on the drafting process, like Joe yeah. mentioned. <laughs> it is the most exhilarating drafting experience where it's like you remember that you've seen this piece in this pack that you opened up. It's like, I just – I got to hope it wheels. And when it comes back around the table and you see it in that three or four card pack, there is no greater feeling than seeing that <laughs> card come back to you. But uh, something you actually mentioned a little bit earlier, Joe, which I would say is maybe one of the – potential problems with the chaos cube when it comes to drafting trainer cards with the exception of like probably 20 or 30 top tier top level really powerful trainer cards most of the time you just kind of take whatever you get at the end of the draft when it comes to like it's very common that you're just going to have how or tierno or uh you know just kind of these me Janine, like just these mediocre supporters are just going to be cards that you play in your cube because they kind of came back around to you because not only is the Pokemon a singleton part, but the trainers themselves are all singleton and there's only one of each of those. And I think that's something like in traditional cubes, a lot of times people will have singleton of the Pokemon, but they'll still have like eight rare candies in the cube, right? So people can still get their stage twos out a little quicker or they'll still have, um, you know, six or seven ends in the cube or, you know, a bunch of quick balls, ultra balls, whatever it may be. So there's, it's that you can do singleton with just the Pokemon and then like keep to a more consistent trainer count. Um, but then I think kind of a downside of doing that is that the trainer's, almost become less valuable because you know you're going to have a decent chance to get into them later on. So it's kind of like, just again, that balancing game of what exactly you're trying to accomplish and where you're hoping to end, end up with things. So, and then we have one more type of cube to talk about of like a specific type because we've mentioned Michael Slutsky's cube a few times, the one that Azul and I did. And this is another, uh, he's actually, I think one of the only people I know that does this, but in both of these, uh, the articles I mentioned earlier, I think I remember at least in Kenny's writing about it is the, uh, the Darwin rule of, uh, uh, evolutions when it comes to cubing. So you just draft the final evolution of whatever line it is so if you want to play blaziken you get a blaziken you just have to worry about drafting the blaziken and then at the end of the draft when it comes time to actually build your deck uh set aside in a different box will be the one torchic and one combustion that you get to add to your deck so that is another way that people have in the past tried to get around the difficulty of drafting Pokemon when it comes to evolving is just like, you don't have to worry about drafting the little guys, just draft your big main attacker. And then at the end of the, the cube, you get an opportunity to still, um, you know, get your full evolution line. And I would say that, uh, that is probably also a great beginner way to play a cube because it makes it much, I would say it has maybe a lower emphasis on drafting compared to like the singletons where you have to draft, all of the pieces and it's uh it's, it's still a lot of fun i do and like just cubing in general i always love doing people's cubes because people can come up with so many different ways to do it i will say though uh as i have cubed more and more the darwin rule has kind of fallen a little bit farther down on the ways i enjoy doing cubes though <laughs> i don't yeah, know what I it, kind of a 
I was saying, yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. The Darwin, it's it definitely is like it feels like a more chill cube because you for don't sure. have to worry as much about drafting. And yeah, I think like uh for someone's like first draft it'd be that's like a good way to kind of do it um and it does definitely feel like you actually you, it feels like when you play games like when i played games with slutsky's cube you're more playing something closer to like a standard format whereas but like that's kind of not not the point of cubing but you're definitely trying to get to that stage where it feels you know like you're playing a different format yeah so i definitely prefer the uh, the the singletons and the the mutant evolutions and the you know having to draft all your Pokemon because then it also does put more emphasis because in, in in that kind of cube um, there's more emphasis like on the the trainer cards a little bit because like you just yes. draft your Dawn fans and then you you know you can you know get your four collectors or four researches or whatever and play like all that kind of stuff but yeah I think and I think Slutsky's is the the only cube I've ever played that has done the done the Darwin rule before Joe have you ever ran into someone else's cube that that operates like that. No, I haven't. Um, it's something that I'd consider. And I, I think as a practicality standpoint, it would really speed up the draft itself. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you are like after a tournament and you only have like two hours, the draft would probably only be like 20 minutes or so, right? So uh, after deck construction, you can easily get like three or four rounds done before you've got to go home. So definitely a practicality uh, aspect to bear in mind with that as well. That's a, a big positive, I would say. Yeah, I think he does do 60 card decks, so the draft itself is a bit bigger. I don't remember exactly how many, I guess uh, it would be what, six packs or five packs or six packs, something like that. Um, and that is another thing we haven't really talked about yet, uh, is that different cubes will, at the end of everything, after it's all said and done, um, you take an opportunity to actually like when it comes time to like sit down and build your deck um depending on the size of how many packs you drafted and stuff like that depending on how many cards you're left with in your final pick to finally build your deck from um usually like at the beginning the the you'll have set out you're either going to be building a 40 card deck a 50 card deck or a 60 card deck um the cube that you know, puka's cube that is the one that i use you we build uh, 50 card decks michael's you still build 60 card decks and then uh joe i think isn't your four pro or your your uh big basics cube that i did at euic it's a six prize right as well yep so Full you six. uh um I, you you've i imagine have done plenty of cubes that have all these different variations as far as deck size versus how many prizes you set out because in pokemon mm -hmm. whenever you're doing a limited format like this the amount of prizes you set out is dependent on the size of your deck so You'll see this at pre-releases where you're building 40-card decks, you set out four prize cards. If you're building a 50-card deck, you set out five prizes, so on and so forth. Um, do you have a preference when it comes to, I think, like, building 40-card decks, the draft itself is usually going to go faster, and the games themselves are also going to go faster because there's mm -hmm. less knockouts that have to take place. 60 cards, I think it can go a little too long because uh, it's depending on your power level. Like, if you've got two prizes in your cube, I know Xander Perot, he has a... Um, like a, a sun and moon era cube that I've done before that has GXs and stuff like that in it. And so that makes things go a little bit quicker because you're taking two prize KOs. Um, but I don't really do that many cubes usually that have that, you know, it's usually focused around like single prizers. It feels like uh, for me, 50 cards has kind of become the sweet spot of, you know, the amount of time spent drafting and the games feeling not quite as grindy. What do you, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I kind of like the intuitive aspect of a 60-card deck just because you sort of know those elements much more often. Uh, but typically, uh, the ratios that you'd see in, like, trainers and energy and stuff are all off regardless. So it's not necessarily a big deal to go down uh, counts or whatever. And, yeah, like you say, practicality, getting games done, 50 cards sounds pretty solid. 
Uh, still a lot of back and forth can happen. A lot of comeback is possible with mm -hmm. uh, uh, five prizes, especially when you're in a one prize format. So uh, I, I feel like 50, 60 are kind of my favorites. The four prize thing, I, I just feel too worried that um, an explosive start is just like unsurmountable at that point because there's not enough prize cards to sort of recover or to sponge hits or whatever. Uh, so I, I kind of like five and six personally, but it's all down to preference really. And the speed of a cube could make a four prize cube like completely fine as well if it's everything's like three or four energy attack costs. <laughs> yeah, I think for like for anyone out there who's like gonna go build their cube, definitely like keep an open mind to that because it, it does kind of come down to the power level of the cube, right? Because if you have mm -hmm. two prizers or if your things are one hit KOing stuff on turn two, based on kind of like Chip said previously, like the era that you kind of build your deck around. Um, then yeah, if you're if you're getting one hit KOs on turn two, then six prize cards, even if you're playing, even if it's one, if it's no two prize Pokemon in the cube, could still be correct, right? And then obviously, if you're gonna go up to sixty card decks, you do have to beef up the card pool, right? You have to play a, just a bigger card pool for the people to draft with. And then I think we've like mentioned every time that like eight people is generally what cubes are built around, but of course, like there's flexibility in that as well. Like <clears throat> one thing we're gonna talk about here in a bit is like two player cubes, which is is something that uh, people do. I haven't seen anyone have like a four player cube ever. I think I've seen eight players and two players, but like you could build a cube for four people, right? Like there's nothing you can be as creative as you want. You don't have to follow like any. There's no guidelines, strict guidelines you have to follow for building cubes. So anyone out there who's like going to build their first cube, twenty card decks, ten card decks, sixty card decks. I don't know uh, about a ten card deck. Bro. <laughs> it, it would get interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, fast games fast games um, <laughs> one prize and then yeah like as many players like you can build it for like you know a certain number uh, of players as well yeah i've never seen someone do maybe maybe four player cubes are the way though if it's so hard to get eight people every time four players might be the uh, the new eight player yeah i think that uh i i have a two-player cube that's a bit of fun it's definitely it's just kind of like a budget cube experience right because that is the main issue with cubing is getting the full eight people together um but i've, I've drafted plenty of times with six people and actually one of joe's cubes is a four-player cube with the the okay. big basics no bricks so uh yeah what it, and that's kind of something that you think about when you're building the cube itself is like how many players do i want this cube to be built for right yeah, absolutely. That's always on your mind. You have to think about, you know, how are people actually going to play this thing? Like, I have a few cubes now, so my traditional evolution is an eight-player. It's a long draft. I basically oftentimes don't even bring it to tournaments unless they're in the UK because it's too big in the bag and you don't <laughs> want to get extra luggage and it takes a whole weekend, basically, to do the whole thing. Uh, but the all-basics no-bricks cube that I crafted is a four-player draft and... You can probably get done drafting in about half an hour, I would say. Mm -hmm. The gameplay is very, very long, though. It's like a real slog to do the thing. But it is built for four players. And um, but it's uh, more or less like an SP experience, I would say, is kind of what I've tried to go for, uh, for the most part. Uh, basically, I've broken the rule of evolution here entirely. And just you basically ignore the top left of the card and uh, treat everything as a basic Pokemon and every ability is like a coming into play ability. If it would say like evolve this turn, it, it does X or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so it really is a different experience for me, but uh, I am trying to uh, speed the cube up a little bit. I don't know if I want to go up in power level or go down in prize cards. One of those things is probably going to happen because even though it's four players, I've had plenty of games that have gone over an hour in best of one. <laughs> yes. So uh, it is a, a real like, you feel great when you win these games, I feel like, because it's a genuine like tactical challenge. And I enjoy uh, the power level and the intricacy of the format itself that I've sort of come up with. And the format, like, I actually started this cube thinking about 
my favorite way to play the game. And that's how this whole thing came about anyway. Because my favorite eras of the TCG have all been uh, big basic formats because inherently I hate evolution in, in Pokemon. <laughs> I think it makes every deck like so bad. You waste so many spaces to just not be consistent. And the snowball effect is just way more real when you like miss evolving pieces here and there. So I've completely taken them out of <laughs> the game. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's my favorite way to play Pokemon. So, yeah. Actually, yeah. um. I was gonna say one thing that we could we could touch on, I guess, real fast. And this is not like a, uh, but like how people, you know, play games with their cubes after they're done drafting, right? So I'll say, I mean, I as a competitive person, uh, maybe this is why I enjoy uh, Chips Cube so much. Is when when we draft Chips Cube, we do, you know, we take the eight people and we do a double elimination bracket style tournament. And Chip always has a pack that he gives the, uh, <laughs> the winner. A prize. Of the a prize. <laughs> Sweet pack. Um, yeah. So that's my favorite way. But a lot of people do it differently, like Slutsky specifically. Like you draft your decks and you just play games against other people's decks. Round like, he Robin, never does, just like, play a, against everyone else, right? Yeah, he never does like a tournament style thing or anything like that. Uh, I feel like most people do generally do some kind of tournament style thing. And that's definitely what I prefer. Some kind like I, You don't even have to have anything on the line, but just like being like, okay, if you lose once you lose these games you're out you know it makes you want to win and like try that much harder and the drafting is like a you know like i said it's kind of 50 50 between drafting and playing um and the drafting is a huge part of it but then what i do like you know the aspect of like playing something for that's like another thing you can kind of tie to your cube as well is like what do you do once everyone's drafted their their decks what do you do at that point you can do like i said like a lot of people do like round robin things where it's like that would work really well like a four player cube for sure each player plays against each player once um or like the chip cube double elimination bracket and then Chip always gives gives someone a pack at the end, which is nice. Like, gives something the players to play for. So I thought I'd we mentioned that real fast. I don't know if you guys want to say anything else about that um, as well. I had a prize once where I had a small number of custom cards to fill out uh, my eight player draft, and um, I would allow the winner of the cube to, within reason, create a card to be added to the cube itself. So I'd cut like a supporter, and they would create like their name or whatever as the supporter effect because it was all like my friend group and other players as like supporter and trainer cards and stuff like that so that was uh, a winner's sort of thing they could do and you can do a similar thing with like art changes and whatnot uh, to a player's preference there's a few different things you can do to sort of tip your cap to someone who's done well and one of my other friends actually whenever a winning deck or oh, sorry they they basically lock away the winning deck for the next draft so whatever cards were drafted that time could not be drafted the next time you cube so it sort of helps the balancing mm. issue of like if anything's too strong it's not going to come over like it's going to it's not going to come up every single draft you're not going to get annihilated by this card all the time so there'll be times where the balance is slightly different based on what's been locked away like one person's deck and then it can come back into the fold the next time that's been another real interesting thing to go for because it gives that person the nod that they've done well and the deck's really good but also it changes up the next draft as well uh, that's, that's specifically cool. for the mutant one yeah i like that one a lot actually yeah I, I, that's actually super cool and that's one of the joys of cubing is like whoever is curated it they get to do whatever they want they set the rules and um so the i mean every that's why so something else i guess we could mention as well is if you're listening to this and you're hoping to build a cube and you've not drafted a lot before i wouldn't build a cube yet i would take time and play a bunch of other people's cubes there's always going to be a group at regionals trying to find another person just you know it's a great time to meet people as well just feel free to i, th I think most cube 
you know, hosts would always welcome, you know, having someone come in and join their group um, because we want people to be able to experience it and have a good time with it. But um, and always looking for that, you know, seventh, eighth person to fill it out anyway. Right. Um, so just that's what I would recommend anyway to people who are trying to build a cube is play a bunch of different cubes, play people's mutant cubes, play traditional cubes, try out the Darwin way, try, you know, all basics, whatever it may be, try these different things out and see what you like be best. And you can copy someone's cube. There's nothing wrong with that. If you enjoyed like that's what I did with Pukas. I've built my, my cube is pretty much like I think it's within probably 20 cards of where Puka's cube is at right now because it is my favorite way to, to cube because I've done a bunch of different cubes and I enjoyed it the most. Um, but, you know, play a bunch of different ones. And if you like mutant the best, build yourself a mutant cube. If you like the all basics strategy from Joe, you know, go with that. It's it's There's just tons of different ways to do it. Um, and so I would say build to what you enjoy the best, definitely. Yeah, try everything out. And yeah, I mean, like, like you said, like people, <laughs> one of the things people uh, draw to is just like their favorite eras of, of cards is where sometimes cubes start. But yeah, definitely try some cubes out uh, and give that a shot for sure. Um, and something else that I mentioned, my two-player cube, something you'll see people, uh, you know, Joe has a couple of different two-player cubes and there's a few different ways you can draft when it comes to two players. You're not usually going to go the route of just opening up a 15-card pack and then passing it to the other person. You could do that, uh, but usually there's a couple of different ways that people will do their drafts when it comes to drafting with just two players, and that'll be either through the Winchester method or the Winston method. Do you want to talk about kind of the differences here, Joe, and how you draft with just two players compared to... Uh, a full six or eight and also maybe kind of just like what it comes when it comes to like deck construction itself how you go about that as well yeah so it's obviously a different way of drafting if it was just two players and you were doing like a take one pass it along uh it would be too obvious when you're up against one person to see like exactly what the opponent's going for basically because you just have every bit of information apart from their first pick essentially so uh in order to balance it differently there's uh, Winchester drafting, which is when there is a number of cards that are dealt face up. So both players are looking at the fresh cards that can be drafted from. One person will sort of divide the pile up in a certain way, and then the other player gets to choose which pile. So typically it means you're trying to draft relatively evenly. You don't really want to go down an avenue where you would hate it if they took one pile and love it if you got one sort of thing. So it's a natural way of dividing uh, things up. Think about it, uh, I, this is what I used to do with my brother when we were kids, and we would fight over like food, for example. If you cut a pizza halfway down, <laughs> you get your brother to do it, and then you get to pick the other half, right? So you, your <laughs> brother then is incentivized to have it as balanced as possible straight down the line. <clears throat> and that's essentially Winchester drafting. Uh, but you go sort of pile by pile. If it's 10 cards, 4 cards, whatever it is, um, you have an equal balance. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's got to be uh, 5 cards and 5 cards. It can be like eight cards over here in one pile and two really strong cards over here so you don't end up having the same number of cards in total drafted between the two players but you still have to construct uh a deck out of whatever you draft so, and it's uh, a really interesting challenge where you can sort of see what your opponent's going for and you can try and block things at the same time uh, based on what you value uh from what's coming up so it's a really uh, really cool method and you can also do other things too where it's like there's if there's 
if say you're doing 10 cards for example and there's one card you like want really really bad you could put that card with like a four card pile and then put six cards and add like a couple really good cards into that six card pile so your opponent is going to be really incentivized to take the extra card to have you know that extra card advantage and then also you've put like a really good card but you're ensuring most likely that you're going to get the card that you really really want for your deck so there's a lot of cool intricacies with that for sure I think I've only ever done that. I think I did that once. It was actually, <laughs> I did it once with JW. I played against him as Madison Regionals, uh, and we played against each other. and And our round ended really fast. And then he was just like, "Do you want to? Do you want to? What is it called? Winston or Winchester?" There's uh, two like, different wanna... ways. Yeah, like, this draft... one's Winchester. <laughs> he's like, "Do you want to draft my cube real fast?" I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." And then we did. I think it was the the Winchester, the Winchester way to do it. So I've done it once before um with that so it's and it's definitely interesting yeah because it's very it's like a different way to draft you have to like balance out you know giving your opponent too many too many cards even if you get the card you want you really want to give them nine cards to make sure you get your one card like because card advantage does become a thing at some point where they just have that many more options with their their end card pool at the end of the draft so um it definitely definitely uh changes things up for sure and that's a fun way to do it. The way that I do my two-player cube is the Winston style. So I'll just use my cube as an example. It's a 100-card pool, and then players build 40-card decks. So it's meant to be kind of just like a quick little cubing experience. Uh, you know, can do it in like an hour or less between two players. Um, so you have the 100-card draft pile shuffled up, totally randomized. And then from that draft pile, you'll set out one, two, three different face-down cards. Player one will look at the first card, and they'll determine, do I want to add this to my draft pile, or do I not really want this card? If they want it, they'll add it to their draft pile, and then they'll take a card from the draft pool and put it to that to replace the card that they just took effectively so now there's still three face down cards player two now gets to go they'll look at that first card again which is the card that just got added from the pool they'll look at that card and if say they don't want this card they'll set it back face down in the same spot add a card from the draft pool to that pack so now that first pile is two cards that are face down they know what the bottom card is but don't know what the card is they just added and then now they go to the second card they get to look at it and say okay do i want to take it or not if they do they add it and then they'll add another card to replace so on and so forth and you do it that way until you get down to the end of the 100 cards and then build your 40 card decks from there so you're kind of incentivized to take cards because otherwise you're adding you know creating bigger and bigger packs for your opponent to potentially take where sometimes they'll have maybe three even four cards in it where even if they're all kind of mediocre just having more cards to work with more options can be a benefit and then sometimes you'll get down to the end all the way to the third pile and it's a card that you don't want still so you'll leave it face down add a card from the draft pool to that pile, and then you just get a random card off the top, and whatever it is, that's your card that you're stuck with. Uh, sometimes it can be a really good one, and sometimes it can be totally useless to your deck. So that's a fun way to do it because you also get a... It, it's a little bit more... There's less knowledge than mm -hmm. a Winchester because you don't literally see every single card like you would with a Winchester. But there's also still, like, you have an idea of, like, 
ooh, if I give them this really powerful stage one, there's a chance they already have that basic because we're getting a little late here. I haven't seen the basic. So do I want to take that away from them? Or you can also remember, oh, I saw that at the bottom of a three card pile earlier that I didn't take. They ended up taking it. Okay, I know they have this other piece. I want to cut them off of not being able to have it. So kind of just fun ways to play with just a couple of people uh, where just passing 10 card packs or 15 card packs back and forth would be a little bit, I would say a little less fun. Yeah. I guess the only other way you could do it would be like three card packs or something, right? Like you, you have the stack of cards, you each draw three and then, cause that, that way you have enough first picks that your opponent doesn't know mm-hmm. about. Sure. And they'd have like the knowledge of the, the two cards, but those, those other two ways are definitely like make things really, really interesting for sure. And definitely switch up the, the way, uh, the way you draft. It would be ever be possible to like, you couldn't ever do one of those. Could you do those with like eight people? That'd be, that sounds difficult in my head. Sounds uh, I've done a four-player <laughs> Winston before, which is yeah. fine. Um, I think once you get eight people, though, there's little reason to do anything besides the traditional 15-card yeah. pack because that's just kind of the, the tried-and-true proven way. I mean, I'd be down to experiment sometime, try it out the other way. Um, I, don't think you, I don't think you could do a Winchester. I guess you could do a Winchester with more than just two people. It would just have to be like the person to your right is the person picking the packs the way you've set them yeah. out. Could be kind of interesting, and then everyone at the table is still seeing all of the cards, right? I don't know. I would imagine you probably have never done a Winchester or Winston with more than two people, Joe. Only ever two. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, take a quick little break from the cube talk here and get into everyone's favorite segment of the cast. Of course, guess that flavor text. Where we pick a card, read the flavor text, and the other host usually has to guess what it may be. But of course, we have a guest this week, so it will be Joe's opportunity to uh, to guess along. So, uh, Joe, I know you said you listen to the cast every single week. Uh, how, how do you usually do when it comes to guess that flavor text? Uh, I'm hit and miss. I'm hit and miss. <laughs> I, I've had a couple uh, early correct ones, but also a few flops. So uh, hopefully um, I'm going to be OK here. So Joe knows how this game works, but for anyone listening along at home that doesn't, if you, we will, Azul and I will read this text off to Joe. He has an opportunity to guess it. Um, If he doesn't want to guess initially, we have three different lifelines to choose from. If he guesses without lifelines, he gets four points. For each lifeline he uses, he loses a point. So we've got the three different lifelines being what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and then finally read an attack name. How are you feeling, Joe? You ready? Go for it. All right, Azul, you want to read the card? You got it pulled up? Sure, I got it. <clears throat> All right. Fleeing a volcanic eruption, it's settled on a snowy mountain. As it races through the snowfields, it sends up a spray of snow. Okay. Um, fleeing from a volcanic mountain. Wow. Volcanic eruption. Eruption. Lean a volcanic eruption. It's settled on a snowy mountain. As it races through the snowfields, it sends up a spray of snow. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, there's nothing jumping out at me straight away. Sends up a spray of snow. Okay, I'm going to go for... Um, let's go for what stage the card is. It is stage one. Stage one Pokemon. Okay, I'm still, I'm still not close to anything really. Let's go for read an attack name. 
Attack name is Smash Turn. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Some hit and run stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Can I get can I get it one more time? Uh, your flavor text? Yeah. yeah. Fleeing a volcanic eruption, it settled on a snowy mountain. As it races through the snow fields, it sends up a spray of snow. Man, it's so strange. Right, it's hit smash turn, hit and run. Ooh, okay. Um how many how many points do you guys both have? <laughs> We're both at two. We're both at two. So if you guess now, you would tie us. Okay. okay. This is episode twenty. So we're uh, Azul and I have each had nine guesses, I guess, at this point, because Andrew got one at some point. Okay. Yeah. Uh I think Smash Turn is Alolan Sand Slash. And that is a stage one. So I'll go for Alolan Sand Slash. Yep. That is correct. Is correct. <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. Sand slash a lowland sand slash from Guardians Rising. Yeah, that's actually didn't... been a card in my cube as well. Slush rush. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't read the card fully once Chip sent it to me, and I was like, okay, this would be fine. Like I read the flavor text, I didn't read the attack, but immediately when I read the flavor text, I looked at the attack name. I was like, oh, he can probably get it off the attack name because I think I would have gotten this. I've played this card in a deck before <laughs> a yeah. long time ago. I was like, oh, the smash turn. It's like the only card I know that has smash turn. Mm. All right. Joe tied us up. Yes, he One did. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Joe. And let us know down in the YouTube comments if you are watching along at home. What is uh, th- what's your score? Did you get this one right? Did you get it wrong? And uh, yeah, congrats to Joe getting a couple of points here. Yeah, I thought this would be a fun pick because I'm sure this is a card. This is in your two player cube, isn't it? I believe so. Or you're uh, not your two, you're, you're, you're all basics cube, I think, right? It's in the basics cube. That's there was a time mean. it was in the main cube as well. So you've been you've been generous to me. This is a common <laughs> a common cube card. This type of thing, like a decent little attack with an ability that can draw you cards. So I thought it was mm. a, a fitting pick for this week's episode. So to close things out here, just for a few minutes, let's just chat about our kind of favorite cubes. We've talked about this a little bit throughout or any other maybe I guess a a good thing to do here as well would just be cubing tips. So if someone is maybe drafting for the first time or they've drafted a few times and kind of find themselves ending up with not the strongest deck, what kind of uh, drafting tips do you think you would have for someone when it comes to, you know, looking at the card pool, trying to figure out how they want to go about uh, building their deck. Uh, from from me, I mean, the general laws of a Pokemon deck apply. So you always want to value very good supporters and search cards quite high. I think specifically for cubes, the value of recovery is massive. And I also think switching cards are very underrated. These are such like fundamentals of giving you flexibility in the game. Oftentimes you'll only get like one or two attackers that stand out above the rest. So having recovery for those is really huge. So I think those are things you really shouldn't underrate. Like a card like Clara, we see it in standard now and again, and it's obviously a strong card, but it is bananas in cube. It's like <laughs> by far the best first pick, I think in anyone's cube, no matter the power level. Cause it's like, it's actually so insane. So really have to respect those sorts of things. Uh, keep an eye on like your basic count as well because you don't want to just have like three um, like pit plops and 
that's your gang. You want to have some other stuff here and there because you still need to feed people prizes here and there where you get set up and do stuff. And yeah, I mean, it depends on the flow of the cube, obviously, but uh, traditional laws of a deck are still there. I would also say that most people underdraft energy. And this is quite natural because it's hard to cut cards from your draft pool and it always feels bad, especially if it's like an earlier pick or whatever that you end up not using. Some people can get like attached to them or thought it was going to be a really good card that ends up not being as useful potentially. Um, but typically you draw less cards than you would in standard. So like that seven to nine energy just ain't going to cut it. You normally want to bump those numbers up a little bit more and not miss out on an energy drop unless you just happen to be playing a very cheap, efficient attacking deck where you can sort of break those rules. But those are all things you want to sort of keep in mind. Like, what's your deck really trying to do? What's his ideal first opening turns? And how difficult is it for you to continue attacking throughout the entire game? Do you need to have healing in here? Will you be having to pay retreat out of stuff to keep, like, a drawing ability in play? These are all things you need to think about as your as your deck is coming together, I would say. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you have to kind of draft for the first time to get a little bit of a feel for it. I think one of the, mm -hmm. one of the things to kind of go back on a little bit that we kind of touched on is, like, people kind of build their cubes and the way like a good cube is built is that no card is truly terrible or like bad. Right. So you, when you're drafting, you can keep that in mind as well, especially when you're uh, newer to drafting, like you see these cards and like, yeah, you know, something like a draw three supporter has never been good in standard. Um, but in a cube, if you don't have any good draw supporters at that point, you don't just want to take another Pokemon that you maybe will get another line for. Maybe you should just like get that draw supporter of some kind. Right. So there definitely is like a you have to there's like a balance to the cube around everything, but there's also a balance to what you're drafting around the balance of the cube as well. So also getting familiar with the cube sometimes is going to help. Like everyone's probably first draft, especially if you're newer to drafting with a cube that you've never played before, is going to be a little bit rough, right? Because everyone's cube is so different. But once you kind of uh, have played with the cube a couple times, it gets a lot easier to start drafting it. But yeah, just I think I think the one of the biggest things like from what we talked about is just like yeah, every every card is in there, and, and generally if it's a good good cube no card is like truly terrible so you always want to kind of stop and think about all the different cards that you see for each pack yeah i would say think about the first like constructed standard pokemon deck you built it probably wasn't very good right <laughs> uh, that would be true i would say for most if not all pokemon players the first cube you the first deck you built without like you know pulling a list off the internet um the same is going to be true the first time you draft a cube. It is probably not going to go great. You're going to have a rough time. Uh, you're going to learn about it. And then it'll make you want to hop right back in and draft one more time to prove that, like, okay, I, I can I figured it out a little bit. You know, I've got a bit of a way to, um, you know, get back into things. And I, I've, I've learned from my past mistakes. And that would be, you know, the more you cube, the better you will get at it. For sure, it, which I think is true for just about most things in life. The more you practice, the more practiced you are, the better you will become at things. So don't be discouraged if your first cubing experience does not go the best. <laughs> Definitely. So I know you've got um, a couple of different cubes, Joe. You want to just talk to us? I've got them pulled up here on the Cube Koga um, about each of these that you've built, kind of what your favorite ones are, which ones are, are the ones that you lean into playing the most, or uh, kind of where how, how you got to this point. With I mean, because for most people, just having one cube is like a big investment. But you've got uh, all of these. I don't think you have built IRL, right? But you've got uh, a couple built IRL, yes? Yeah, so I've, I've got the eight-player IRL, like traditional evolution built and i've also got the all basics built uh irl the rest are just online cubes only but uh the original just sort of traditional evolution 
Uh, it's been going for a few years. I think I started it in 2017. I am a hoarder of cards, so I just never have thrown away or traded or done anything with any of my cards ever. Uh, so I naturally have like a lot of older cards I've been collecting for a long time. Um, and this is trying to be quite a high power level uh, single prizes. So it's quite fast paced. There um, are like 140 to 160 hit point stage twos. Uh, one hit heroes are possible here and there. I've tried to have a ton of draw in all of my evolution lines. So no matter what line you're in, you're probably drawing cards and getting stuff done, which I am a big fan of. Uh, I think I've got a decent balance uh, like into synergies as well. So just because you're drafting uh, like Yamegas doesn't mean you need to draft Venusaurs. They could be completely separate. You can splash them in with Lightning or Psychic or whatever else. Um, I've got a, a lot of my sort of favorite evolutions in there as well. It's not a stripped singleton. There's a few two ofs. Uh, sometimes that's for balancing reasons, just for how high a power level I've put on things. Um, and I've got also like a high count of uh, like N style supporters and ball search as well. So I want it basically to reflect um, kind of like 0708 kind of feel, but obviously a much higher power level than that when 0708 was a lot of stage twos and stage ones roaming around. And I really push it down that direction where you're basically rewarded for evolving. Um, and uh, yeah, just a ton of draw in there as well. So that's kind of the main emphasis I've gone for here where there aren't many feels bad cards uh, in here. There's not much like early disruption. There's not like let loose. There's no red card. There's nothing like that. I've tried to have as as much of a feels good cube as possible, really, uh, where it's just good, clean fun. And N is really <laughs> the only disruption, which both players are kind of in control of. And that's uh, what I was looking for with that one. And then the all basics cube is uh, very different entirely, where it's a real long slog, uh, where, like I said, as Chip knows, hour long games are pretty common, I yes. would say. <laughs> and uh, it's a tactical back and forth things don't necessarily snowball out of control where because the hit points and attack damage is in a range where every single turn you're getting that energy drop down you're never really running out of attackers here or there uh, i give everyone swoop teleporter for free as well so you can jump in and out into different attackers so there's a lot of variety going on you can easily end up having like 15 different pokemon in your in your deck and there'll be situational at times useful setup mons here and there different type coverages going on just a real back and forth and you can still carve out some synergies here and there and uh it's gone through a few different balancing phases uh, i think it's a reasonable spot right now i'm still actually hoping for more cards to be released i think realistically i'm looking at like stage ones these days of evolving stage two pokemon and hoping they're interesting enough because that's kind of the power level that i'm at where I think 140 hit points is an anomaly of like the highest hit points and 90 hit points is the lowest. Yeah, I think Steelix Prime is my highest hit point Pokemon um, and like a Venusaur as well. So it's kind of around that um, EX era and the Diamond and Pearl era for the majority of these cards, I would say. And uh, yeah, it's just, although I don't think the draft is that much fun because everyone gets a very easily functioning deck and because it's four players you see a pack enough times to get things going like pretty easily it's meant to be a very consistent experience uh the gameplay is really where i think uh this one shines okay. definitely it's, i'm actually it, i was gonna say i'm just curious what is your out of outside of you the, your cubes what is your favorite cube that you've played uh played with 
Um, I've played a lot, you know. Um, let me look at Cube Koga so I'm not missing anyone out. I think one of my favorites is um, it's a Delta Eevee's Cube where there's a big emphasis on um, Eeveelution Pokemon. So there's like a ton of Eevees and I think everyone gets a free Eevee here and there. And that's entirely focused on the EX era. So it's quite mm. a low power level. Again, like quite long games. That's kind of what I'm a bigger fan of where you have time to come back into the game and you can carve out like long strategies uh, everywhere. And they have a few interesting like custom cards as well that allows you to, you're allowed to evolve in a mutant way exactly for Delta Pokemon. So it's like, it's traditional evolution, but Delta species Pokemon can uh, mutant their way up into lines as well. So it's got that interesting splash of like best of that era as well as having a more consistent like evolution line here and there. So I think that's one of the most interesting ones. We did it for a Champions Cube, and um, I, can't remember, I think I built just a big Basics deck, actually. I completely ignored the fact that you could evolve in a mutant <laughs> play. Uh, but uh, it, it was a fun gameplay element, I think. Yeah, it's a cool one. I'm looking at it now on Cube Koga. I've never uh, seen it, and it looks like one of the more popular ones as well. So definitely We've seems... done it in the league a few times, for sure, yeah. Seems fun for sure. Very cool. Yeah, I've done a few different cubes, like I said, and I don't really like I think like the chaos chaos cube way is my favorite because it's the one I ended up building and uh, it does put the highest emphasis on drafting, which I think, you know, the gameplay is fun, obviously still. But I think like that is the thing that differentiates it from you know, just playing a constructive format, right? Because if I just want to play, like, a really fun game of Pokemon, I've got, like, all these old decks and stuff that I can play, like 06 or 2010, whatever. There's a lot of fun different ways to... And, you know, I guess standard, whatever. But uh, <laughs> probably not. Uh, <laughs> uh, but cubing... Um, yeah, the, the thing that makes it different is the drafting process. And so since the Chaos Cube puts the highest emphasis on drafting, that's kind of what I have leaned into but i would say just like cubing in general is a ton of fun i'm always down to try other people's cubes one of my favorite things i've said a few times is just how unique each different cube can be depending on how the curator has built it and um so just trying a bunch of them out is just something i'm always looking forward to joe's big basics when i did that at euic it was the first time i'd ever done a cube like that and i did not have a a, a good draft because i didn't really i i'd never done something like that so it didn't go very well and after it was all said and done, I was like, you know, I want to try this again. Uh, I want to get back into it and, and try to to give it another shot to show that I can, you know, build something a little bit better than the, the first one I built for that. But, um, yeah, Joe, if you want to talk, you've, we've talked about the Cube League a few times here. You mentioned it earlier on. If people wanted to get more involved there and learn about it, how would they go about doing something like that? Uh, I'm pretty sure... Uh... The Cube Koga is essentially the only website you need to know because I think under their content section, they have links to all of this stuff as well. It sh shows you the Google Drafter. It gives you um, other content based around Cube. There is a Cube-specific podcast as well. I don't think they're running anymore, but it still has a ton of great, uh, great um, podcast information. I think it was just done during COVID actually as well. So um, very recent and up-to-date from very experienced Cube. Uh, people so uh, cubecoga.net is literally the only website you need to know and then the cube uh, league discord i can either link to you or do something like that to let people get in there straight away um and yeah there's a ton of conversation about cube not just uh, playing itself and they've got some great organizers making sure there are lots of cubes running uh, most weeks sweet as well any other thoughts on cubing no i think we covered most things everything i want to ask joe i think i uh 
did and things that I was curious about. Um, yeah, no, and I think this will be uh, yeah, got a lot of information out there. I'm sure a lot of people had no idea about. I didn't know about Cube Koga. I just went and looked on the site right now. It's a lot of there's a lot of cubes on there. <laughs> I've spent so long on this site. <laughs> Joe also has several videos on his YouTube channel. They're all linked here in the the content section of the Cube Koba. Uh, Cube Koga, excuse me. Wow, uh, <laughs> talking about just different uh, ways to you know a lot of the information we've gone over in this podcast. If you want to re-reference it, it'll probably be in a lot of these videos. A lot of articles out there as well to reference. So we appreciate you, Joe, for coming on and uh, taking time to do this. We love Cuban. We know you love it too. So it was a, a good fit, I think. And I hope that anyone watching along at home who is interested in cubing, uh, you got some of their questions answered, or maybe if you weren't interested in cubing, you now are a little bit more. So thank you all so much for listening. Joe, you got anything you want to plug or shout out uh, before we wrap things up here? Uh, just that if you're going to Worlds, I'll be bringing three cubes in my car. So keep an eye out for me. I'll be handing them out to myself and friends, and we'll try and uh, get lots of groups going together. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Joe, coming on. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. If you enjoyed the cast this week, as always, please be sure to leave a like on the YouTube video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or if you are listening along, be sure to leave us a review, a rating on your podcasting platform of choice. If you want to get connected with any of us, the best way to do that is going to be usually over on Twitter, myself at TrainerChip, Azul at Azul underscore GG, and Joe is at Omni underscore Joe. You can also follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate everything. And thank you once again, Joe, for your time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks again for Joe coming on, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.